We're going to pick back up in Hebrews and uh, don't say, oh, you know, he's repeating himself. I repeat myself for several reasons. Number one, we all need it. Number two, I, I, I feel no inclination to hurry through this series. I, I don't know what we could talk about more important than faith and prayer. And uh, so... What happened was, last Wednesday evening, we get to Hebrews 3 and 4. And we have, in the last uh, couple of weeks, we've just gotten several of these heart-rending communications about, you know, families busting up, teenagers running wild, and marriages busting up, and all the, this type of stuff. And so then, then I, I do Wednesday night last week, and then I'm mulling all this over. And nobody sits around their kitchen table and says, let's all go to hell. <laughs> nobody sits around their kitchen table and says, let's quit God. Nobody sits around their kitchen table and says, let's wreck our children's lives. That's not the way it works. The way it works is this. People do what's easy. And they don't think through the consequences. And they're not really actually making decisions. They're just on autopilot for what's easy. And they're just doing what's easy, doing what's convenient. And then they get down the road six months, 12 months, and... They're befuddled. Actually, I, I think they're befuddled. How, how did this happen to us? You know, I, I, in one of the uh, Father's Day Guys Night Out messages, I talked about living a deliberative lifestyle, and I probably sh should, do a, should have done a better job explaining what I mean by that. I don't operate by how I feel. I mean, if, if, I, if I did what was easy, if I did what I wanted to do, I would have had a pizza yesterday. I would not have got up and prayed today, and I'd feel terrible. And then the way I live, if I just did that 10 days, I'd be totally wrecked. Just 10 days. And so what happens when people just do easy? You know, for six months, they do, they do what's convenient for just six months. And... The problem is, of course, it doesn't just show up in their marriage. It shows up in their children, shows up in the money. You know, I couldn't tell you how many times I've said to my family, when we hear one of these heart-rending stories, what would their net worth be if they had just sat here and done what I taught? Would it be higher or would it be lower? Automatically, you know, right? You're the Wednesday night crowd. But you know, and, and anybody ever take a shortcut? We were, we were, we used to, this is so insane, you're going to think we're, we were crazy. We would do church Sunday night, and uh, we would run to the airport, and we'd fly to Frankfurt on Sunday night, we'd be there Monday morning, and we, we would do whatever we were doing in Germany or Austria, and then we fly back uh, Friday or Saturday and be here for 
church when we were up at the other location. I mean, we were just dealing with our children's schedules. And I didn't have that, and you know, I didn't have much help back in those days. And so we're driving from, we're driving down the Autobahn to this place, and we were spending two or three nights in one place, then we we're gonna go spend two or three nights in another place. And so, you know, back in those days there were no cell phones, no nav, no apps, and I'm looking at the map. And, and there's this line between these two places. And it looked to me like a shortcut. And so, you know, we're, we're in this little rented Mercedes. And, man, and, and, you know, I mean, it's Germany, man. I mean, I'm hauling. And, and every, you know, the road gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and these farmers were doing this. And I thought, is that some kind of German uh, hello, you know? And so, and so, you know, we're following this road, this line. And, and by and by, I mean, we're going up this mountain. And I figured, well, no big deal. It's going to, you know, it's going to go through a pass. We'll end up on the other side. We'll be at our destination. We'll save all this time. Well, it was obvious that it was a logging road. And it was, first it was gravel. I mean, the asphalt ended. Then it was gravel. And then the gravel gave out. Then it was grass. And we got two little kids back home. And we're on the side of a mountain. And I got to back this car up and turn this thing around. And Sue's trusted me so much. She said, I'm going to get out and let you turn this car around. <laughs> See, that's a shortcut. John Osteen used to say, we don't, we don't have any shortcuts to share with you because there are no shortcuts. So anybody ever, anybody ever, maybe you don't have a story exactly like that, but anybody ever take a shortcut and it turned into a long cut? Yeah. Say it out loud. The shortest distance between point A and point B is God's word. You want to get out of the apartment, get into a house? You want to have a happy home? You want to have well-behaved children? The fastest way to get from point A to point B is God's Word. Amen. So we've been dealing with this concept of the word believe being a verb. If you don't believe that, you can look it up. It's a verb. It's an action word. It means to act upon the Word of God. And... Just understanding this simple fact is a life changer. I've been giving you John 15, 7, if you abide in me, settle down in me, take up residence in me, and my words abide in you, settle down in you, take up residence in you. You can ask whatever you want, and it will be given to you. So we've been saying that there's no believing without action, and believing means having possession, and that's what I wanted to get to, and I'm going to try and scoot and get there tonight. There's no believing without acting, and believing means taking possession. God gives us these promises, but he expects us to come and get them. This is not like Uber Eats. He's not going to bring it to you. God, say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, God makes these promises, and he expects us to come and get them. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to fall on us like, you know, ripe cherries falling off a tree. So I possess 
what the word has promised me. I, and I, I could say it this way. I have to take possession of what the word has promised me. I must take possession of what the word has promised me, just like the children of Israel had to take possession of their promised land. All right, so let's rehearse this again. And don't be upset about a bunch of verses because what else can we talk about better or more than the word of God? Hebrews 3, 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We saw last Wednesday, he uses this phrase three times in these verses, three times. And he's talking to believers. And he said, you know when, you know when a Christian's heart is hard? When they hear the word of God and they choose, now there they make a decision. They hear the word of God and they choose to not take action on the word. They harden their heart a little bit. I, I don't know about you, but I want to have, I want to, I, I think it's fine, you know, to be like hard hearted about the government because, you know, that's all lies. But, but when it comes to the Lord, I want to have a tender heart. I want the Lord to be able to speak to me. I want to be able to hear him. Do not harden your hearts as you did during the rebellion, during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I don't know about you, but I don't want the Lord saying that about me. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So we saw last Wednesday that these four words are synonyms. Sin, unbelief, disobedience, and rebellion. But encourage one another, verse 13, daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first as has just been said today. And he keeps using this word today, 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 today. Why would he do that? Why, why, most likely, Paul, why would he do that over and over and over by the Holy Spirit? Because when they read it nearly 2,000 years ago, it was today. And when we pioneered Faith Christian Center in 1984, it was today. And now here on September, what is it, the 20th, 2023, it's today. See, it's always fresh. It's always now. Say it out loud. The Word of God is always fresh. The Word of God is always now. The promises of God are always now. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as they did during the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was He angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear? Oh, we have, we have rebellion in verse 16. Who are they who heard and rebelled? Then we have the word sin in verse 17. Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And then in verse 18, we have the word disobey. And to whom did God swear that they would <coughs> never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. These, these are synonyms. Rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief. And like I said last Wednesday, this is probably the only church in the Metroplex where the word obedience is used tonight on this Wednesday night. It's, it's passe, but it's not passe. Amen. Now, you can case or Sarah you want, row your boat down the stream and just see what happens. But I am not wired that way. 
I do not get up in the morning to see what happens. I get up and pray before the sun comes out because I determine what happens. There's, number one, there's no such thing as fate, but it's not in charge of me. We see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. All right, so how is this, how is this unbelief manifested? Well, they wouldn't do what God said. Then chapter 4, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. And that's where I wanted to get to because after Wednesday night, last night we had a champion builder, last Wednesday we had a champion builders group. And these words came out of my mouth in that champion builders leaders meeting. And I was awestruck at the power they had. I told the men there, I said, I am at rest. But on January 1, 1984, when we pioneered this ministry, I was not at rest. See, everybody wants the promised land, but nobody wants to deal with the giants. And, and God is so strange the way he talks. You see this in Romans 4. You know, he says, he, he's the God who calls those things which are not as though they were. So he says to them, I've given you the land. Well, they weren't even in the land when God said, I've given you the land. He did the exact same thing with Abraham. I've given you the land. Yeah, but there's giants over there. Well, apparently God's not concerned about the giants. But see, if you want to possess the land, you're going to have to do something about the giants. You know, when we, we, we have not settled on a final floor plan, once we settle on a final floor plan for phase two, well, then they go to draw on the whole thing. They, they get the whole thing drawn. Then guess what we get to deal with? The city of Arlington. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's just loads of fun. But you got you to gotta deal with it. You see what I'm saying? You got to deal with it. You want to get to the next level? You got to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. It just doesn't happen. I mean, we could all hold hands. We could pray a prayer of faith and, 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 and confess it into existence. And what would happen? Nothing. Somebody's got to draw it. Somebody's got to raise money. Somebody's got to deal with the city. You know, and then things happen along the way. And then you got to deal with that. Same thing is true with marriage. It's just not all, you know, we've been married over 47 years. I mean, for Sue, for me, it's been, you know, a cakewalk, but for Sue, it hasn't been. So, you know, you just got to, you just got to, you got to power through some issues, right? And if you, if you have somebody with a willing heart on the other side, you know, if you married Frankenstein, well, that's another issue. But, you know, if you have somebody with a willing heart on the other side, well, you just, you just navigate through it and make your way through it, you know, forgive each other and go on and, and make it. And child-rearing. Anybody ever been around a three-year-old? Let me see your hand. You ever been around a three-year-old? There's probably not a critter on the planet that is more determined to exercise their will than a three-year-old. So you have to outwill them. That's the only way to train them. They, they have a will. And you got to outwill them. So what I'm saying is, 
productive, self-sufficient, righteous children don't just happen. Because the Bible says in Proverbs that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You got to do something about it. I said, you got to do something about it. Amen. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful. Oh my gosh, that word's not heard much in church. He didn't say, let us be careless. He said, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. And these are some of the most important words in the New Testament. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. And faith, here at Faith Christian Center, we have been taught, is an action word. The only way God knows that I believe him is when I take action on his word. So the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with obedience. Those who heard it did not combine it with taking action. Those who heard it did not combine it with submission. I mean, you could take those four words, rebellion, sin, disobedience and unbelief and do the opposite of those four and there you have it now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said so I declare it on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words and on the seventh day God rested from all his work see we're to follow his example we he worked for six days and then he rested and we're to follow his example in other words, you do the work first, then you rest. Now, that's, that's an old-fashioned concept. You know, I think that's in Ecclesiastes. You, you put the fields in and you, you build your house, then you rest. This was built and done before we built our house, just following the Bible, just doing what the Bible says. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. He, it still remains that some will enter that rest. Say it out loud. It still remains that some will enter that rest. Again, it still remains that some will enter that rest. Well, I don't know about you, but if some will enter that rest, I want to be in the some part. I don't want to be in the other part. Some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again said a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David as was said before today. There we see the word today again. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Harden your hearts. As he uses this phrase three times through here. And we, a Christian hardens their heart when they hear the word of God and they make a decision to not take action on it. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. I could roll out some verses right now, you know, that would hurt church attendance next Wednesday. But, uh, you know, we try and avoid those. We, we try and not throw too many of those out at one, in one service. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but we all have verses we just like to go around. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Say it out loud. Now, he's rehearsed this twice. Say it out loud. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And, And I'm at rest. 
You know, my children don't cause me any trouble. My grandchildren don't cause me any trouble. We have no debt here at Faith Christian Center. I mean, you know, I want the church to grow. I want to be a success as much as anybody else. But really, you know, my future is not determined by the attendance this coming Sunday. My future is not determined by the offering this coming Sunday. I'm at rest. And what I've noticed is that, see, you know, I'm just, I'm just mulling over how I'm direct to get with you. You've got to fight like hell to get to rest. <laughs> and, and our bodies kind of are designed toward that end. You know, when you're younger, you got a lot of energy. See? And if I had to start over, I don't know that I'd have the energy to do it. We were at an airport once. I forgot where we were. And there was this guy, looked like he was about my age, and a wife looked like she was 30 years younger, and, you know, he's holding the baby. And I told so I said, you see that? She said, yeah. I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? In other words... To start over. Well, who has the energy to start over? I don't want to start over. And so when you get to a certain point in life, the, the hard work ought to be behind you. But when people don't do things in an orderly fashion and they just coast and they do what's easy and they do what's convenient, hard times never come to an end. <coughs> And it's just, you know, it could be hard times financially. It could be hard times in marriages. It could be hard times with <coughs> children. Hard times don't end. But it does just happen. It's not automatic. And there's a teaching out here in the church that God blesses all of his children the same no matter what we do and no matter how we live, that's, that's just nonsense. I mean, you don't, see that in, that you don't see that work for the rancher. You don't see that work for the farmer. You don't see that work for the factory worker. You don't see it work in any area of life. There's no area of life where people get the same blessing across the board, I guess unless you work for the government. Then you all stay home in your pajamas and work from home, you know. They're still doing that from COVID four years ago, four years ago. They're still doing that four years later, working at home in their pajamas, four years later. All these office buildings that our tax dollars built, they're all empty. You know, private companies tell people show up or you're gone. One company, a tech company gave them two days to show up. And, and they really lightened the load when most people didn't show up. I think half the workforce didn't show up. But if you live in the real world, it doesn't work like that. You show up on time. You don't take a two-hour martini lunch. You don't leave early. You, you watch the, the company's money like you watch your own. You're going to pull ahead. Let me tell you what. That's always been the case, but it's especially the case now because... Oh my gosh, the employees. I mean, how, how do you hire anybody in 2023? 
There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort. And that's why the whole, that's why, you know, we don't have 10,000 people here tonight. And, and I'm aware. I mean, I get it. I'm a smart guy. I understand. But I'm going to stay with the word. Because the word says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. See, if it just happened, why would he say, let us make every effort? And they never did do what he said. Even in Joshua's day, we, we, we used that in a sermon recently. God comes along and, and tells him, now you're old and well advanced in years and there remains much land to be possessed. So even in Joshua's day, they didn't possess all of, the, all of the land. And I've not possessed all of the land. See, we, we need to stop thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Uh, all of us, you know, we, we ought to be living at a, a, a more advanced place in God. And that, that's what puts the struggle in us to get up and to pray and to read the Bible and to find out how I can do better. Make every effort. Can you see that? Tell your neighbor, make every effort. Tell the neighbor on the other side, make every effort. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We don't have to try it. You understand here at Faith Christian Center, we don't have to lift a finger to try and get somebody under conviction. All we got to do is read the Bible and people get convicted because that's what the Bible is. And that's why in cool churches, they don't read the Bible. The problem is you end up with a church full of goats. Then you got all kinds of problems. And I'm not against goats, but, you know, we're supposed to give altar calls and get them saved. Do you understand? Well, how are we going to get them saved if we never preach the word? Well, if you preach the word, they're going to get convicted. How, how, how are they going to get saved if they don't get convicted? I mean, isn't getting convicted part of the re what motivates them to come down the aisle and give their life to Jesus? Talk to me. And, and we don't have to do a closed-line sermon for people to get convicted. We just have to read the Bible and people get convicted because they're not my words, they're God's words. Nothing is in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So the word believe is a verb. It is an action word and it means to act upon the word of God. Now, uh, this is where I was trying to get to last Wednesday night. Egypt is a type of the world, and Israel is a type of God's people. All of these are types. We're going to get to this. And God's people had trouble possessing their promise because they loved Egypt. See, Egypt is a type of the world, and Israel is a type of God's people. And the promised land, that's not heaven. The promised land was their right, their rightful inheritance in this life, and they never got there. Because they loved Egypt. Keith Green wrote a song about that in the 70s. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Keith Green. So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure. Remember they bragged about how they had free food. 
And you read this stuff in the annual Bible reading and you think, it's like reading this, the socialists and the commies and social media. You think, you know, is something wrong with you? Did, did you miss the brain line when you got made in your mother's womb? The food wasn't free. They were slaves. This is why the book of 1 John tells us not to love the world or anything in the world. I'm telling you, this is a huge sin in the modern church. There's a church doing, you know, Barbie dress-up days based on the, the movie. There's not a Chinaman's chance in hell you would come <laughs> to Faith Christian Center and we would do a Barbie dress-up day. Why? Why? Well, they're trying to reach people. Who? Who? See, my job is not to, you know, uh, appeal to creeps and weirdos and get them in here. My job is to stand here and preach the word so creeps and weirdos can get saved and delivered and set free. If we love the world, the love of the Father's not in us. Now, let me say one more thing about this. If you're at ease in this world, you're not saved. If you're at ease with what's going on in this world, you're not saved. If you're at ease with what they're doing to babies, you're not saved. If you're at ease with what they're doing to children, you're not saved. We're pilgrims passing through. Sure, we got cars, we got clothes, we got houses. Sure, yeah, you know, enjoy but don't fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with it. And if we love the world, we'll have trouble possessing our promise just like the ancient people of Israel. See, they, they couldn't go forward because they loved what was behind them. So you shouldn't have your old drug dealer's phone in your contact list. And those old friends. See, one of, the, one of the big secrets to people making progress in God is making new friends when they get saved. I love to see, I, I take note of, there's certain people in this church and they're really good at this and I love to see it. There'll be some new couple, new, new guy, new gal in the church and there's certain people in this church and they just gravitate to them, you know, talk them up, make friends with them. I love that. Don't, don't be a click person. Now, I'm not telling you to, you know, if somebody visits and they just freak you the heck out, well, just go on and greet somebody else. I get it. Nobody, nobody's greeted more people here than I have. Amen. And, uh, you know, I get it. So, but, but he who would have friends must show himself friendly. And also, you don't know how you might be a blessing to that person. Maybe they're going through right now 
What you went through five years back and you came through and you overcame. You don't know. So what, what, what did those ancient Israelites do? They limited God. They limited God. Now, now, I know people don't believe this is possible, but they limited God, and hence they failed to possess their promise. Psalm 78, 41 says, yes, they turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Tell your neighbor, it's possible to limit God. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it's possible to limit God. They limited God, but let us not do that. They got right up to the border of Canaan and they could have gone right in if they had what? What would it have taken for them to go right on in? I'm talking about the first time. What would it have taken for them to go right on in? Faith, faith in what? The promise, God, God said, I've given you the land. Yeah, I know it. Part of faith is just guts. You know, John Osteen, I love John Osteen. Oh my goodness, I love John Osteen. And so, you know, he taught tithing. He was so outrageous. And, and the way he taught tithing is this. He said, what difference does it make? You don't have enough anyway. <laughs> he, well, he would say, what difference does it make? Not everybody's getting paid anyway. You're, you're, you're deciding who to pay. So what difference does it make if a couple of more people don't get paid? But what does it take to cross that bridge? Faith. But what else does it take to... Because this is the only time in the Bible God says, test me in this. Only time. I sat there at the power lunch and a man told me this story. He said, you talked me into tithing. And he said, I got past that. But he said, then you were raising money to put the roof on Bud Sickler's church. I think it was, was $150,000 he owed on his house. And he said, and the Holy Spirit told me, he said, well, give, give, give $1,500 and believe me for a hundredfold return to pay your house off. And he, and he said, I, I, I thought, well, I'll try it. See, that's what God said to Malachi test me in this and so I didn't tell him to do that he heard that voice down here in the candle of the Lord the, the spirit man and so he gave that money in that challenge offering it got sent to Mombasa to put the roof on that church and, and he was being funny about it he said now Pastor Jeannie said my house was not paid off in December but he said it was paid off in January and he said and I was hooked So that's why we say in these challenge offerings, you know, we're not telling anybody what to give. I was, I was, I was totally shocked. I was in high school and I, I worked with a kid at the car dealership and, and he said that the priest had been by earlier that week. I said, what for? I mean, was somebody sick? No, no, no. He came by to tell us what our contribution would be this year. And, you know, I grew up in a full gospel church. I, I had never even heard of that. But I remember thinking, man, that'd be a pl pretty slick trick if you just get to go, go around and tell people what they have to give. <laughs> but, you know, in the evangelical churches, we, you know, we don't do that. Everybody decide 
from the Word of God and based on what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. But my point is, to cross that water and to go over there where there's some giants, yes, we would call that faith, we would call that obedience, we would call that submission to the promise. We, we could use a lot of adjectives, but part of it's just guts. I'm going to do this, see what happens. I'm going to do this, see what happens. And then, like that man told me that story at the power lunch, what happens is then once you get a hold of this and you see that the system is designed to cost us nothing. The system is designed to cost us nothing. The system is designed to cost us nothing. And actually, if you actually read the scriptures and what Jesus said, 30, 60, 100 fold, and then on another occasion, he mentioned 100 fold, no one will fail. God, help us. You know as well as I do. You know, they say that this guy got 81 million votes, which I, I wonder about. But you know as well as I do that if this guy promised a hundredfold return on campaign contributions, he'd probably get 101 million votes. If, if some hedge fund guy promised you a hundredfold return, I mean, everybody would sign up for it. But Jesus said, no one who has given up homes or brothers or sisters or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. No one. But do we act like it? Now, that doesn't mean we empty our account. I believe in following the leading of the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit knows where I am. The Holy Spirit knows what my obligations. The Holy Spirit knows uh, what I have to pay in the next six months. The Holy Spirit knows where I want to be in five years. The Holy Spirit knows all of that, and so I trust him. That's the way I've lived my life. I just do what he tells me. He's never one time led me in the ditch. But uh, we have the words of Jesus on this. No one will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. That's what he said. And I don't think there's anything that irritates the haters, the critics, the barking dogs, and the ankle biters more than the hundredfold return. I could care less. I've been working this sucker. Amen. There were times in my life I, I, I was happy to get the 30-fold return. You know, then there were times in my life I was happy to get the 60-fold return. But, but I've told them now, sir, I'm just not interested in that. I've graduated. I, I, I'm, I, and I don't have time anymore for that. You know, I'm 68. I, we got, man, we got to go for the fence every time. A hundred-fold return. Believe God for it. Why not? He promised it. Why shouldn't I believe God for it? He promised it. Why shouldn't I believe God for it? Talk to me, why should I not believe God for it? He promised it, and here it comes. We do this, we do this, and we keep track of it. There was a, a mission situation. We gave them $39,000. Actually, it was a pastor, a friend of ours, raising money for various projects. And the Lord, I'm sitting there with Austin and his church at one night in October, and the Lord spoke to me and said, give him 1% of what he wants and believe me for a hundredfold return on it. 
So I didn't have it with me. I never carry a church check. I never travel with church money. And so, you know, I, I wrote a note to the pastor. I said, it'll be, in, it'll be sent FedEx tomorrow, uh, $39,000. And so he taught me how to pray over money. January of 2018, he, he said, it's got to be watered every day, every day, every day, every day. You got to water that every day, every day, every day. And we confessed in a hundredfold return on $39,000. just marched right in the doors. There was another situation where an evangelist that we know, his uh, firstborn son died and the Lord spoke to me, said, send him $50,000, cover all the expenses. And we did that. And then, man, we water that every day, every day, water that every day, water that every day. And, and $5 million marched right in the door. And, that, and we keep track of it. And we, we gave Jeremiah and... Uh, Julia Thomas, $50,000 to help them buy their church building up there in Rochester, New York. That's what I'm working on right now. And we're, we're more than halfway through that. Just every day, every day, watering that every day. The money's coming. We got a hundredfold coming. We got a hundredfold coming. Watered every day, every day, every day, watered every day. And the money just marches right in the door. Somebody might say, well, I didn't give any of it. It doesn't matter. The next guy did. Amen. It came. Amen. It came. We're working this thing. And do you think we expect to go backwards building phase two? No, we're not going backwards building phase two. There are men in this church who became millionaires off of Bud Sickler's roof. There are men in this church who became millionaires off of phase one, and they'll do that on phase two. Now, I'm not just saying do what, do what crazy thing pops into your head. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's the good shepherd. See, they got right up to the border of Canaan, and they could have gone right in. They could have gone right in, but they failed to possess their promise. Say it out loud. They failed, they failed. to possess, possess their promise. See, God does the promising, but then he expects you to come and get it. God does the promising, but then he expects you to come and get it. But because of rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief, they wandered in the wilderness until every man 20 years of age or older died off except for Caleb and Joshua. Now, God had already said to them, promised them, I give you the land. It's yours. They had God's word on it. They had God's promise on it. God had told them, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon shall be yours. In other words, God was saying to them, I give it to you, but you got to do the possessing. I give it to you, but you got to do the possessing. I give it to you, but you got to do the possessing. It's yours. Have at it. But you got to do the possessing. Well, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 10 says, that's where we'll get next Wednesday. 1 Corinthians 10 says that these things happened as a type or as an example for us. That means that you and I have to possess the promise. Tell your neighbor, you and I have to possess the promise. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you and I have to possess the promise. And although God's word promises you something, or better yet, provides something, you have to, you have to possess the promise. It's just not going to happen. It, you you got to possess the promise. You got to do, see, in other words, you just can't, you just can't get on, set in your mind, I'm going to do what's easy, because that won't take you there. You can't get set in your mind, I'm going to do what's convenient. Because it won't get you there. Well, pastor, don't you ever get tired of it? Every day. But I, I don't talk to him about it anymore. There's no point. He, he doesn't have ears for it. 
But it, months and months and months back, you know, I was telling him, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, getting a little weary of this. And he said, son, we must work while it's day, for the night is coming when no man can work. And we see it, don't we? Since 2020 especially, we see the dark curtain of tyranny coming down across the world. So they announced today, you know, they're going to start home testing again. What a racket. You do more tests, what are you going to get? Talk to me. You do more tests, what are you going to get? Listen, 120,000 children enrolled in New York City schools this month whose parents are in this country illegally and they are exempt from vaccination. 120,000. Now let me ask you this. If you tested those 120,000 for tuberculosis, what would you find? You'd find tuberculosis. If you tested those 120,000 for polio, what would you find? Yeah, so we're going to do home testing again. See what that means is the election's coming up. So we got to gear up for 81 million votes from God knows where. That's what that means. So, these things aren't just going to happen. Oh, the weary factor. So, the, the, the curtain of tyranny is coming down. We must work while it's day because the night is coming when no, no one can work. We, so, whatever we're going to do for God, we've got to do right here, right now. There's, there's no tomorrow on this. We have, to do, we have to be diligent about the things of God right now. We have to, we have to be militant the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men in the Greek it reads the violent men take it by force not violent physically but violent spiritually we're just not going to sit around and see what happens we're going to advance I can run through a troop I can leap over a wall I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength but tomorrow's another day. Guess what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow's another day. I got to get up. I got to start all over. I got to get up. I got to start all over. I got to get up. I got to pray. I got to believe God. I got to water. I got to water that seed we have in the ground. Got to start all over tomorrow and every day. We got to win people to Jesus. We got to disciple them. We have to possess the promise. And although God's word promises you something or better yet provides something for you, you and I have to possess the promise. If you don't possess the promise, it'll never become a reality to you. If you don't possess the promise, it will not become a reality to you. So God does the promising. Tell your neighbor, God does the promising and I do the possessing. Tell the neighbor on the other side, God does the promising and I do the possessing. And it's all based upon what God has said. I'm going by what God has said. I'm going by what God has said. That's it, I'm going by what God has said. That's it, I'm going by what God has said. In every area. 
See, we need to train ourselves. If you hear anything in 2023, you hear this. We must train ourselves that no matter what comes up in our life, the first question we ask ourselves is this. What does God's word have to say about this? If we would just do that one simple thing, we could avoid 98% of the trouble. What does God, God's word say about this? All of my needs are met. I mean, in your body, Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. With his stripes, I have already been healed. Jesus took up my infirmities and bore away my diseases. The Lord my God sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all of my destructions. I love that part, all of my destructions. I always think of my screw-ups, things that I did that were stupid. Well, he delivered me from all of my destructions. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. The Lord my God sent his word and healed me and as a bonus delivered me from all of my destructions. 